Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHayes. I'm obsessed with all things business and fitness. I left my career as a TV reporter, followed my dreams, and created a multiple six-figure online coaching business in just one year. Now I'm sharing my strategy with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Again, welcome to the Taylor Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. What a year 2020 has been, guys. I don't know about you, but I was so excited to start a new year, not because I think that, you know, anything is going to change instantly. Of course, I don't fall into the new year, new me kind of hype, but looking back at everything that happened in 2020, I wanted to pull some good from it, and there was so much, so much that I thought of that I had to create a podcast and I had to create one on the lessons that I learned in 2020. And some of these may not be what you've expected, but I wanted to pull my business coach, Marie Wold, who's been an incredible help this year. I can't say how thankful I am, honestly, to have met her, crossed paths with her. But guys, this is an episode whether you are in your beginning stages of your business or you are crushing it and making multiple six figures, this episode is one that you will not want to miss. All right, officially recording. I really wish that people could see us right now because we're talking about just business growth and we look... We look, how did you describe it? Like thumbs? Yeah. It's like, I love being able to podcast when I look like a thumb. Like, thank God podcasting doesn't have video, but we still went on Zoom because we already had a call today. So why not? The wise words. Yes. Um, Okay. So I want to talk today about just business lessons that I've learned in 2020. And I feel like a lot of those are because of you working with you. Um, But I just want to kind of preface it by saying, you know, people that have followed me for a long time see me as a fitness coach and somebody that is an expert in the fitness field. And that's really when I started following you five ever ago. And it's just funny to think back about, you know, the posts that I would see you post in 2013, 2014. And I remember when you first started competing and I was very inspired watching your journey and you were like one of the first influencers you know, and, um, Marie and I've had the same coach and it's just so funny. And I don't know what I was doing, but like, I followed you forever and I just stumbled upon one of your posts and I was like, Oh, you're a business coach now. Do I need that? I think I need that. (laughs) And so I don't know. It's it's just funny because I'm like, I followed you and I've, I've really loved your content for so long. And, um, it just was such a natural transition because I felt like as my life was transitioning, you were also transitioning too. just, you're like several years ahead of me, but yeah, no, totally. I think that it's, it's honestly, I don't believe in like coincidences. Like I believe in like synchronicity and stuff, but it's, it's cool to see all of the ways that our journeys have been similar, which makes our like coaching relationship so fun and like easy and just like a no brainer. Like, of course we would love working together. 
Well, and you never know what to expect because that's something else I've learned in the realm of business coaching now is that there is a coach for everything. For sure. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, going into it. And I was like, oh my goodness, like there's a ton of coaches, but you know, working with you has really been a game changer. And so I kind of want to go down a list of some things that I've identified as ways that I've grown. And I would love to get your feedback. And I don't think that I've really, we, we haven't really done this yet. Like, I mean, I've asked you for help and stuff like that, but I don't think I've, you know, Hey, what's your, like, what's your take on how I've performed here and there. So, um, Anyway, I, I want to start with one that I think is very, very obvious, but apparently it wasn't as obvious because you called me out on it. Um, my boundaries. Uh, I'm going to let you just take that one away, but I feel like I've spent 2020 learning how to create better boundaries with myself, with my business. Um, so I'm going to let you go on that one. Yeah, for sure. And sorry if you hear my dogs in the background. We probably are getting an Amazon package. Like what else is new? Can you hear them? A little bit. Okay. Just like baby baby barks. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll uh, try to make them quiet. But um, <laughs> I think – so when I first started working with Taylor, she was honestly killing it in her business on her own. She had grown really quickly, and we're both um, Enneagram 3s. So she is – we are both the type of people where once we decide we're, like, going for something, we're all in, and we're making it happen, like, tomorrow. So – she had taken her business. Hold on. Hold on. I need to yell at my dogs. Okay. So when we had started together, she had already done an amazing job growing her business. But I was like, Taylor, how much are you working? How many clients do you have? And she's like, um, uh, what is time off? And also I have 5,000 clients. And I, I'm a huge believer that like business supports life, not the other way around. But I also, as a three, are you like crying, laughing right now? <laughs> yes. I'm dying over here. It's so true. Oh my God. I'm drowning. Yes. I am. There's tears in my eyeballs. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, and I totally get it. Like I said, we have very similar personalities. So um, it was easy for me to see like, oh, Taylor's just in that phase where like more is more is more. And knowing with on personal, personal experience that cannot last forever. So I was like, listen here, this is how it's going to go. We're going to put, put some boundaries in place. You're going to take time off. You're not going to work seven days a week. <laughs> and also we're capping your client load. Um, so that was where we, where we started. Um, and it was it took a while for it to really sink in. And literally today I had to be like, Taylor, you're cut off. You can't, you're not allowed to sign another client. Um, yes. So I want to add on that too, because, you know, one thing that I have noticed with online fitness coaches um, is that it's almost like a prize to have a ton of clients, right? Um, and that was never really my goal because as I grew this year prior to you and then with you, I started adding so much more value to my clients, uh, whether it be video check-ins or text access to me or private calls, right? So it's like I was I was scaling and as I was scaling, people saw that I was scaling and they wanted that private access to me and I was like, okay, I can accommodate everybody and I felt like I was drowning and yeah, I was making more money, but 
I couldn't do anything with it. And what is the point of scaling your business if you have no freedom? And so, like you said, I mean, I think creating boundaries, um, and we'll get to this more in depth later, but resulted in me having to just outsource. Yeah. Yeah. And also it forces you to get really clear on what is actually worth it and what's actually moving the needle, right? It's so easy to always just add one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And in the time, in that moment, it doesn't seem like a big deal or a big commitment, but over time you're just stacking responsibilities, stacking energy, stacking time. And it adds up to you having zero freedom, like you said. So I think it putting boundaries and limitations and protecting your time forces you to get so clear on what is really important to you and what is actually effective in your business versus where are you just staying busy for the sake of being busy. Right. And I remember you having me do an exercise and I've kind of done it every, I don't know, eight weeks or so, but you're going to word it much more eloquently than I will. However, it was something about, you know, delegating what you need to do versus like what you can actually outsource. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about that, I think that exercise is what really made me realize, oh my God, I have no boundaries because I'm spending all this time on just like the back end of my business and I'm, I'm drowning, you know, working on like payment processing and and whatnot. And I'm like, I feel like I can't even get to my clients by the end of the day. Yeah. Are you talking about the automate, delegate, delete? Yes. Like task dump? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I have pretty much all of my clients do this exercise and I didn't come up with it. It's pretty, I think it's fairly well known, but um, it's very helpful for figuring out what tasks need to be yours, what tasks don't need to be yours, and what tasks are just a waste of time. So essentially, you want to do a task dump is what I call it of just writing down every single thing that you do in your week of work. And if you're busy, you probably hear that and you're like, I don't have time to write everything down. But I promise you it is so worth it because in in the long run or even in the following week, you'll immediately see a difference. But if you take the extra time to do this for one week, you will save so much time in the future. So just write down everything that you do, every task in your business for a week. And this is especially important if you're like still a one person show. So write down, you know, I did my client check-ins, I made my Instagram posts, I chased down this failed payment, I sent this invoice, I created this plan, I like sent this many DMs, just write down your daily tasks. And I like to just keep it as like a running list on my phone notes or on a Google Doc or something like that. Then at the end of the week, what you will do is you will, I like to color code. I'm a very visual person. So I will color code by, um, first, I will color code everything that absolutely has to be me. So the things that can't be automated, can't be delegated, can't be deleted. So things like showing up for coaching calls, replying to your clients, getting on your Instagram stories, that sort of stuff where literally it has to be you. Um, And all that stuff just gets set, set aside. We can't really mess with that, right? Then you will color code what you can automate, what you can delegate, and what you can delete. So automate are things that you can use software to um, replace yourself with. So for example, um, it could be client like sending a client welcome email. That can absolutely be automated. Or sending a contract or sending a check-in reminder or um, sending an invoice, things like that. There is software that we can use in place of you. And even if it only takes you 
five seconds to do that thing in the moment, how many times a week or a month or a year are you doing that? And how much time would you get back if it was automated for a year, right? So highlight all the things, color code all the things that you can automate. Then you'll figure out, okay, what are the things that do need to be done by a human being, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be me. So that could be um, filling in client info in a contract, or that could be, um, let's see, what else? That could be scheduling emails, scheduling social media posts. That could be um, managing like client updates, things like that. So anything that needs to be done by a human, it doesn't need to be you, you mark for delegation. And then you'll go through and there will either be things left over or maybe there are things that could be delegated or automated, but aren't really moving the needle in your business. And that's what you need to just delete. So this is like the busy work that doesn't really result in sales, doesn't really improve the client experience, doesn't really make you happy. Um, obviously, things like bookkeeping or <laughs> contracts or things like that, that are not my favorite. Personally, they're soul sucking. Those still need to happen. But the things that really are not moving the needle and you found yourself doing just to feel like you were busy, you can delete them. So this is an exercise that will teach you what need to be your priorities. What can you give to someone else or pass off to a team member? What can you automate? And what is just a waste of your time? And so Taylor and I did this together and Taylor does it regularly now, but that was how we figured out that she needed to make her first hire. And then also it's how we figured out what to even pass off to that first person on her team. Well, now that we're kind of on that topic, I'm just going to kind of jump to outsourcing. Um, you know, like like we've been talking about, the boundaries really stemmed from me. One, just kind of being a workaholic, I, you know, have already, I'm, I'm, I'm a Virgo too. So <laughs> type three and a Virgo, like we're really just, you know, all kinds of uh, type A there. But um, I was just drowning in work and I was getting to a place where, like I said, I was spending so much time on the back end of my business. And with that exercise, I mean even just looking at all the things that were highlighted in one color that did not need to be me. I mean, I was spending so much time chasing payments or sending new invoices or creating a new contract or whatever. And I was doing it often enough where it was taking up hours of my week. It wasn't even just like, oh, this is two minutes here or there, you know? And that's when I um, really invested in hiring a virtual assistant. And it's only been well, it was like December 1st and it's, it's literally been a game changer. So, um, you know, things like editing my own podcast, uh, typically I would say, all right, Marie, thanks for this. I'll see you later. And then I would spend, you know, not a ton of time, but 30 minutes or so making it sound good flow and whatnot. And I can just hand that off to someone else. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I wake up in the morning, things are done. And, um, to me, uh, you always, you said something one time and it's just resonated with me, um, ever since, but you know, if your business and maybe it wasn't to me, it might've been on a story at one point, but if your business were to double or triple right now, could you withstand that growth? And, my answer to myself was like, well, shit, no. <laughs> I want to say yes, but no, I can't. And so, you know, that's what I talk about a lot on my stories with my potential clients is, hey, listen, it's one thing to trial and error your way for a while, but that's not going to get you to six figures or consistent 10K months or whatever it looks like to you because at some point um, you've got to just give give a little bit away. And it's yeah. hard, you know, we talked about that earlier today. It's hard to find the right person as, as you've created your baby, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but no, it's been, um, a huge help outsourcing and 
having, you know, assistant coaches now as well. Um, if I get a client that I might think, you know, maybe, maybe they're better suited. They're a little more green. I can pass them on to my assistant coaches. And, um, that's been a, a super big help as well. Yeah. I basically had to drag you like kicking and screaming to finally hire someone. But now that you have, we're, we're on our way. <laughs> okay. I, that is, that is kind of accurate, but I will say, you know what happened. You know what happened. Yeah. I didn't say yes to the person soon enough. And then she was full and I had to wait two freaking months. And it was like, <laughs> it was just like a kick in the face every day. I was I like, know. damn it. I failed. I failed. Um, but we're good now. So going into 2021, I'm so thankful for help. Um, so this one, I think w- really will resonate with a lot of um, newer coaches, but and you talk about this all the time and you've built your business up to this now too, but you know, having offers that lead into each other and it really starts with number one, setting your prices where they should be. Number two, do your offers make sense? And number three, do they lead into each other or are you just offering some random shit? So, um, starting with the first one, um, setting your prices. I think I did not come to you really undercharging. I think I could have been charging a little more, but it wasn't, you, you weren't very, I don't know, baffled by what I was charging. I wasn't appalled. No, which sometimes happens. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I've had business clients that say they're charging $50 a month for coaching. Yeah. And what are industry standards now? Like two fifty, I think a month for nutrition three. Yeah. I like for my beginner online coaches who are just starting out, they're qualified, but they don't have a lot of business experience to start out around like two fifty a month and go up from there. So that would be if they were doing both like nutrition and training and there were, there was private coaching access. Um, but I would say two fifty to 500 a month is like standard. I definitely have clients who charge above 500 a month, but those tend to be more like the specialists with quite a few credentials or they're in a really, um, a really like high, highly valuable niche. I'm assuming that's something like hormone health or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I see a macro coach charging a hundred dollars a month or so, I'm like, well, how many clients do you want to have to make money? I mean, at some point it's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you crunch the numbers, like a lot of beginner clients or coaches that come to me, they're like, I just want to make like 5k a month. I'm like, okay, well, if you charge a hundred dollars per client, that's 50 clients. Like, and especially if you have a smaller audience and you know, you don't have people knocking down your door every day to work with you. Like it's not realistic to, to build a business with 50 clients right off the bat. Like what if you charge 200 a month, you only need 25. What if you charge 300 a month, you only need 20 or 18 or whatever that math is, you know? So, yeah. Um, especially if there's private access and if you truly know what you're talking about, like the value is absolutely, absolutely there. And when it comes to pricing, I, I see a huge disconnect between people who coaches thinking, what is this worth to me versus what is this worth to my ideal client? So they have a hard time seeing like, oh, well, how is how is this worth $300 a month? And it's like, no, no, no. It's not worth $300 a month to you because you already have this figured out. You already know all this information and you don't need it. (laughs) It's worth $300 a month for your ideal client who desperately needs your help and will have their life changed by you. I agree with that. Um, And since working together, I have raised my prices twice now. So that's been fun. Um, I know that your intention was to uh, 
maybe think that that would trim trim some dead ends going in 2021. But your clients not. love you too much, so we still have. Too and I love them, so I love them. Um, but you know, and I I remember thinking that too. And I think back to what I offered when I first started coaching. And again, um, as you grow with your business you know, coaches, you guys are getting more experience. You are, I mean, for example, I've invested thousands of dollars. I know you have too on mentors, coaches, workshops, whatever. And that makes you more qualified. Thus, Mm -hmm. that means you are worth more. So yeah, you're not, you know, I mean, what you said makes total sense because I mean, if somebody is hiring you for your expertise, then they are looking to learn lifelong lessons from you. And you can't put a price tag on that, especially when you're talking about health, overcoming binge eating, or for you, scaling your business. Um, I mean, there's lessons that you've taught me that I'm never going to forget. Obviously, we're working together still. So, you know. Um, (laughs) So, and then the next thing is, I think once you kind of master your price, once you have a good good grasp on clients, um, it's figuring out how to create those high touch offers and then like a medium offer that kind of leads into it. And for me, if you guys have followed me for a while, my fitness program was build and rebuild. And I think you and I really revamped that. Um, But, you know, talk a little bit about how your offers kind of lead into each other or how we've kind of worked together to kind of make that happen because you laughed. I mean, every time I pitch build and rebuild, I just get more private clients. So, (laughs) yeah. So, Um, I typically recommend starting with your high ticket private coaching offer simply because it is literally going to give you the most bang for your buck. Like you going back to the example of the beginner coach wanting to make 5k months, like that could just be 20, 20 high ticket clients. What is that math out to like 20, $250 a month or something? Um, Taylor just broke out the calculator, but let's say, let's say to make 5k months, you need, yep. You need 20 clients. 20. Okay. At 250. Yep. So 20 clients at 250 a month. I've done this math 5 million times, so I should know it. Um, but let's say to hit 5k months, you only need 20 clients. Currently Taylor has more than three times that, but we'll, um, we'll let that slide for now. I don't like this. I don't like the eye. You guys have <laughs> need to know we're on zoom right now so I can see Marie and I just don't like the side eye that I got, but okay. It's, it's all with love, but, um, anyway, so let's say you only need 20 clients to hit 5k months, which is very doable. I frequently have people finish uh, my 16 week program with their first five, 10, 15, 20 clients. So that's super doable. Um, but let's say you wanted to make 5k months with a $100 program, you're going to need 50 people in there. And like I said, that's going to be real hard. So I see a lot of people, they try to launch their first offer as like a challenge or an ebook or a training program. And I'm like, how are you going to get 50, a hundred people to buy this from you every month? That is not, that's, that's not happening. (laughs) Like you, the only time that that is a realistic business model starting out is if you already have built an audience, like just as an influencer, um, a YouTuber or something like that, then yes, going in with a low ticket offer, totally fine. But if you are just starting out, you don't have a big audience, start with your high ticket private offer and charge a higher ticket price. Like I said, 250 to 500 a month. Then from there, that's when we can start building out your offer suite and thinking about what other price points can I um, hit? What other 
stages of my ideal client's journey can I serve? So for example, with Taylor, we knew that, okay, not everyone is even interested in working with you one-on-one. They would rather have a community feel or they would rather have a shorter time frame, or they're not like that um, that committed to a, a really huge transformation. They just want something to help them be a little bit more accountable, a little bit more consistent, you know, something like that. Um, or and or budget was a concern for them and they needed something more uh, at an accessible price point. So then it makes sense to introduce something like a group coaching program where there's no private access. It's more um, generalized information, generalized programs, things like that. So that is almost, not almost always, but most often um, the, the next best step for an online coach who has established themselves with private coaching first. And then if you wanted to do something at a lower price point, something like a, um, a course, a guide, a, um, you know, a, a resource bundle, a training program, something like that. I have coaches who have nutrition courses, uh, gut health guides, things like that are a great entry point for people to get an idea of your philosophy, your coaching style, the results that they could get from your guidance, um, again, at a lower price point. But the goal of those lower ticket offers isn't usually to be a huge revenue driver. It's the, the goal of those is to get people into your funnel, essentially, and introduce them to your philosophies, your methodologies, the results you can get them so that you can pull them up the levels and either sell them into your group program or your private coaching offer. Well, I know when we first started too, I think on our very first call, we identified all of my offers, Mm -hmm. high ticket, which really hasn't changed other than the price has changed a little bit, but that's been the same. Um, I had my first launch of a group coaching, um, program and we kind of redid that a little bit. Plus I think right before I hired you, that's when COVID happened and I launched it right as COVID was happening. Yeah. And I did do a rebrand actually before you. And then I was like, well shit, we can't <laughs> we can't really do it now. So we did a whole rebrand of that. But my low ticket offers, I it's almost like I had them. I felt like obligated to have them. Mm-hmm. Um but mine were a, you know, a macro setting. I had a few uh, training programs and I had my what the fuck is a macro guide, which that still sells pretty frequently. Um, but the whole point is you want things that are not just rushed and, and up there. Mm-hmm. But like if something doesn't sell, remove it. I know we remove training programs. If somebody comes to me, they are 90% likely looking for nutrition guidance over training for whatever reason that's just kind of what I have attracted and I think it's because I I mean I talk about macros all the time and and my past with disordered eating and competing and all of that so that makes sense to me but you know for build and rebuild I mean I got people in because some of them actually had purchased that macro guide they really liked it then they got they went into build and rebuild and then some people just from following me for a long time they were like man I want to work with you um but I know that I I just I don't know if I'm ready to commit to a coach so they get into build and rebuild and after 6 weeks of working with me in a group capacity then they're sold to work with me in a full capacity right. um and so you know for you I know it's the same way you have your group coaching um programs and some of those I'm sure turn into private clients mm-hmm. um I just went for the private right away mm-hmm. because that's me. But um, yeah, so, you know, I think I think it's really important that coaches understand how to set prices uh, for what they're worth for sure. And then also just making sure that your offers make sense, right? Yeah. They should all complement each other. 
Right. They should um, all complement each other and they should also all be intentional. Like they should, they should fill a need for your ideal client at some stage of their journey. Um, and typically less is more. A huge mistake I see all the time is people just like, mm-hmm. oh, I can make this thing and I can make this thing. And every mm-hmm. every time you turn around, they're launching some new low ticket offer. And it just becomes very confusing, very noisy, very hard for people to know where they should even enter like the client ladder at. Um, and so, I mean, at this point, I have a multiple, multiple six figure we did multiple, multiple six figures in rev in cash this year, and I have really three signature offers. Yeah, and that's how it should be because I really do think, and maybe this is harsh, I don't know, but I feel like when there's, you know, I I see coaches and they're they're new, they're beginner, or maybe they're just they've never really quite leveled up, if you will, and they're just constantly offering like a a guide for $10 here and there. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I understand that you think that's going to get people in the door, but if you get somebody in the door at $10, how is that person going to turn into like a $500 a month client? Likely, probably not. Um, Well, at least have a plan. Like if that's what you want to happen, at least have a plan for what you're going to do with that person once they get in the door. I see a lot of people who just are like, I'm going to sell it for $10 and then hope they come back, but they don't really have any like strategy for making that happen. Right, right. Just like crossing Um, your fingers. (laughs) I know. And and that's the thing too. I mean, I will say that um, the only time I had a guide for that amount of money that did well was right when COVID happened. I was like, okay, Taylor, you got to get ahead of the, you got to get ahead of this. That I created an at-home guide for $9.95 and I sold like 200 of them, which isn't a ton yeah. of money. But like, I just remember like that being a, a good seller. But yeah, I'm with you. Um, is there anything else you had before I moved on from that point? I think I rambled enough. What do you I think? I love your rambling. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, we ramble, we both ramble a lot, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this this one I want to talk about because I feel like I had to overcome this obstacle in one area and not another. So it's the idea of feeling salesy, and I might be wording that in a different way for me personally. I know that most people hate pitching. That was never an issue for me, but I did feel like I was not as confident going into business coaching. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it was feeling salesy, but I think it was just that confidence of like, hey, I'm actually going to pivot now. Um, And I still am kind of, (laughs) still sometimes freak out about that. But um, as I just got three new fitness clients yesterday, but you know, you already yelled at me for that. Um, (laughs) But I don't know, maybe you want to talk about like what you've observed or how you've kind of seen me uh, or how my trend like trajectory has kind of changed. Yeah. Um, I hear all the time. I don't want to be salesy and that's, we can definitely rant about that, but in terms of you and making your pivot and standing confidently as a business coach, I think the biggest thing is number one, realizing or, or figuring out and looking at and compiling all the evidence of like, I actually am qualified for this is like the first step in something that you and I kind of did together of like, look, Taylor, you did all this stuff to create like a six figure coaching business on your own. Like, it's very clear that you have a lot of like, you're just very business minded, you're savvy, you're a problem solver. 
you are a natural at business. And then you've also invested thousands of dollars in learning more and becoming better. In and you. Studying. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So, and now you've invested all this money to learn and dedicated countless hours to becoming better as an entrepreneur. And for, for you to hesitate to know, to think like, oh, can I help someone else do this? For me, it was like a no brainer. Like, yes, of course you're ready to be a business coach because you had that natural ability. And also you had learned so much on your own. And I think people really get caught up with like, well, am I qualified? Do I have the credentials to do that? And sure, there are times where you do need to have credentials, like with health and fitness coaching, like you don't want to ruin someone's hormones or, um, you know, like cause them to have a bad relationship with food or whatever, or with business. You don't want someone to like have you be their Hail Mary investment and they're not going to be able to pay their bills, right? Like there are definitely times when you're not qualified to help someone, but I have a marketing degree. I have two business degrees and I can tell you without a doubt that I hardly use them. Like they have not, they have been a 1% factor into my success as an entrepreneur. Um, and so I think our idea of what it means to be qualified to help people with something needs to shift from like, oh, do I have a degree in this? How many certifications do I have? How many acronyms do I have after my name? To like, how many steps ahead am I from my ideal client? And I knew for a fact that you could easily help a beginner coach start and scale their business. And now that you've worked with those people, we have evidence of it. But but we knew you were at least two, four, five, ten steps ahead of the people that were just starting out. And so that's who your first clients were. And I think it's about starting at that point, right? Like where was I two years ago? Where was I one year ago? Can I could I have helped myself then? And then if yes, great, that's who you can start working with. You know what I mean? Does that answer your question as far as? No, that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, because I mean, uh, that's how I try to act now when I am a business coach and I have new clients is I think about, I mean, the way that I go about it is what do I wish I would have had? Right. Um, that's how I even designed Build and Rebuild. I was like, what is a group uh, coaching program that I could create that is what I wish I would have had with the support I wish I would have had? Um, and same thing in my coaching. And I'm sure you're probably like that too, because I know you have a business degree and you have a business, but those two in my head are not even the same thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I'm with you on, on degrees. I mean, I have a master's in investigative journalism and I mean, I use a lot of those skills all the time, but, um, I mean, I have a business now, so I'm not in TV anymore, but I, I agree. Um, and I know we could rant all the time about feeling salesy, but, um, I think the biggest takeaway for me this year was, um, I don't know if it was self-sabotage or lack of confidence or what it happened to be, but I was just always afraid that like some business coach out there would call me out on not being ready or good enough or whatever. And, um, I mean, I that totally that. happens. Like, I definitely see people who sign five clients and they're like, okay, I'm ready to be a business coach now, but that's not you. And if someone ever asks me for my opinion on whether they're ready, I will be honest. Like, I'm not, I, I don't lie to people. I am 
known as the blunt friend. So I will tell you if I don't like your outfit, I will tell you if you're not ready to be a business coach and you are ready. And I think um, a lot of people when they're either starting their business or pivoting, they're like, well, I, I don't have any testimonials. How, how will people know what I'm talking about? Um, And you're a really good example of this, but your own journey serves as your first testimonial. And that's kind of a full circle to what you were talking about of could I have helped myself a year ago or what did I need when I was first starting? You are your own first testimonial. So you were more than ready to help yourself a year, 18 months ago. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I know we we did some soul searching for like two of our calls. We have unlimited calls and I think Marie hates that she gave me access to that because I talk to her weekly, sometimes <laughs> twice a week. <laughs> it's, been, it's been twice a week lately, which I'm, I'm not mad about. Actually, this is our second time talking today. Okay. <laughs> I gotta go. Like, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So speaking about my investments going towards Marie, they definitely are worth it because I bother the shit out of her. But anyway, um, (laughs) so one thing that I thought was very helpful too, um, another big lesson was I've always been a goal setter. I've always mapped things out, but you have really changed that for me. And I think it's because I've had to think about um, very intentional monetary goals, right? You know, when I had a a job and I had guaranteed health care and a paycheck coming, it was different. Like, yeah, did I have goals? Sure. Did I think about where I wanted to be and how much money I wanted to make in the future? Sure. But with you, you know, I think that the biggest mistake new coaches make, one of the top three at least, is they focus on just how can I get money fast? How mm-hmm. can I get quick, quick cash injections? And they do not think about the monthly return revenue. And fortunately, I... I didn't really have that mindset, but I didn't know how to scale to higher months. And I think when you and I first started, I was hitting 10 to 12. I think I was around 12K months, I believe our business map says. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've since pretty much doubled that. And um, that was not accident, right? I mean, I really think that you and I had a roadmap. So I'd love to hear kind of your strategy for how you walked me through okay, where, how do we, how do we make this happen? Yeah. So typically when I'm working with a client in the early stages, not the early stages of our work together, not necessarily that they're a beginner, but if they, if their goal is to scale, um, we reverse engineer. So for you, your first goal was, I believe you wanted to be at consistent 15 K months and then consistent 20 K months. So we started with, okay, if we want to make consistent 15 K months, what are our current offers? What are our current price points? What are, what are we running at right now? What is our run rate? Um, and then what is the gap and where can we make easy changes to close that gap? Um, first, I mean, I look at the low hanging fruit, right? Like I, I'm not going to tell you to reinvent the wheel if you don't have to, like if we can just make an easy change of adjusting your pricing or adjusting your structure of something and that gets you to your goal. Awesome. Um, and then if there is still a gap, what is the best fit for that? Do we need to introduce a new offer? Do we need to offer maybe a VIP upgrade? Do we need to do, um, you know, something like a secret menu, something or other? So for me, an example of that would be like 90 minute planning intensives, which I offer like in my DMs and stuff, if it's the right fit. So we basically reverse engineered 
what is the ultimate goal? What do we currently have? And then what's the gap and how do we fill that? And so for you, um, we really simplified your offer suite because there are a lot of things that were taking up time, effort, and probably most importantly for you is like bandwidth with selling and your content, right? You're trying to drive people too many different directions. So we really simplified your offer suite and started driving people to the thing that moved the needle the most, which was private coaching. Um, and once that was filled, which didn't take very long, we focused on the next tier most scalable thing, which was group coaching. Um, and group coaching is great because it's super scalable and um, you have a lot of options for launch structures and funnels and things like that. So um, that was kind of how we worked it for you. But there are um, uh, endless variations of how you can reach a revenue goal. Um, I just find that reverse engineering is the easiest way to identify like the obvious solutions first. And it's simple to think about, but what I, what I love kind of when we did it, we kind of took two different approaches because again, it was, I don't know if this is when we were mapping out, I guess it was our 2021 plan back in October. I think we started or early November and I had already, I knew that I wanted to pivot into business coaching and make that a priority. And so we kept everything in all of the group coaching launches. And I remember you saying, okay, well, that's got to go. That's got to go. Like the, you know what I mean? And we started like tweaking things and I was like, oh my God, this is really happening. Like this can really happen. And so it's really exciting, you know, to go in to a year with, um, new ideas and a clear outline month by month of what that looks like. And I think that that has been so, so helpful because what used to be just me writing down goals, like, okay, my goals for the month, but it was never monetary. And again, you know, the, the goal as a business owner is you don't want to just have these, like, where's my next paycheck coming from? I mean, you want reoccurring or recurring payments. And, um, even my clients, I'll, I'll ask them what their, what their suites look like. And they'll say, well, I sell a package and it's like a one-time package and then it's done. I'm like, well, how do you retain them? Like you need a retainer, you know? Um, and so that's been really helpful to see, but yeah, I mean, just having the MRR and slowly like uptick for 2021 and knowing that like, okay, the plan is in place. It's up to me to execute. And then obviously you're there for guidance, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, that's been, that's been very helpful. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I want, <laughs> I literally have it written in my notes. Are you looking at it? <laughs> no. My notes. Okay. Well, in my notes, one of my lessons is take a fucking break. Amen. And retweet. I, retweet. Preach. So I know, <laughs> I know we talked about this, but I really would love to get your tips. Like go back in time to baby business Marie when you were busting your ass mm-hmm. and starting your business and you didn't have all of these courses made yet and you were just like working seven days a week, how did you force yourself to take some time off, whether it be a day, two days? What did you do? How did you kind of calm your thoughts down? Because I, for me, I get stressed when I'm trying to de-stress because I'm not working because I'm thinking about it. You know, there's a meme about yeah. this. but <laughs> So I just want you to talk about that. Yeah. Um, There was definitely a time where I was literally working like 12 to 14 hours a day, like every day. Um, That was probably when I had moved to Los Angeles and was um, making a lot of income from YouTube as well, which like YouTube is so time consuming. Um, But that work ethic and that workload 
carried over to when I prioritize when I started like really prioritizing my online coaching business and stepping back from YouTube just because I was not about that life anymore, basically. Um, and I wanted a business of my own instead of just making like ad revenue and uh, like working with brands and stuff. So um, essentially, I was working 12, 14 hour days and I was definitely a workaholic. I definitely felt like more is more is more. The harder I worked, the more I deserved. Um, and the harder I worked, like the more worthy I was. So it was it was definitely a self-worth kind of like ego complex thing happening. So my mindset around work um, and worth were very tied together. And that was a driving factor of me being a workaholic. Um, but what ultimately forced me to slow down was getting diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which first of all, just made me feel absolutely exhausted all the time and so fatigued. But second of all, one of the most important ways to treat the disease is managing stress. So I was literally forced by my body to slow down. Um, and something really interesting happened. I was forced to prioritize the things that were going to pay the bills and the things that were going to keep at least maintain my business, if not move the needle. So I started working way, way less. And I actually, my business was fine. So that was a very interesting lesson of, um, you know, maybe there's a dip, a little dip at the beginning where I was not making quite as much money, but I got better at prioritizing things and being efficient and smart with my time. And I actually, it didn't hurt my, the outcomes. Um, so I realized, damn, I've really just been like killing myself for nothing. I've just been busy for the sake of being busy and feeling like I deserve all the success I'm having. And, you know, with, with heart, if I can just work hard enough, I can do whatever. Um, and hard work is still super important. And I stand by that, but it's not everything. Like you have to have the strategy and the intentionality behind the hard work for it to really be effective. Um, so that was my big like breakthrough period of my life was literally being forced to slow down. And then what was the second part of that question? <laughs> oh, I wanted to, well, I actually have a question now that you told me that because I forget about this. Yeah. Were you still competing when that happened? That was right after. So I had done basically three preps back, more or less back to back. I did take a bit of a break between shows, but not nearly long enough. And then I had the opportunity to be part of the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search, RIP. That was a time. Um, and I could, I just, I couldn't say no to that opportunity. Um, so I basically prepped again for that. And as soon as I finished that, I was so burned out from competing, so burned out from counting every macro, being so strict with myself. Um, and I think as soon as my body got out of that, like that survival mode, all of the shit I had put it through caught up with me. And so that's when all the symptoms literally just came crashing down on me. So I know this is like not really related, but kind of related. I just remember that I remember that time of your life so vividly. Like it's weird. I feel like I, I feel like I was watching like the real world, except it was like <laughs> the real world in Taylor's world was Marie, Amanda, M, yeah. and like Emily, 
and, uh, and Emily Hayden and Dunk, both of them. And I just feel like you guys were like the who's who of like the influencer world. And then yeah. I remember one carb, one carb waffles being a thing. Yeah. Because you guys all had the same protein powder. <laughs> Now I have taste buds, but I mean, that was definitely a time. Yeah, Arctic Zero was like, oh. Yeah. Remember microwaving Quest bars? Oh, yeah. Actually, when I was in college, I invented the Quest Toasty, which was, you know, in college, you're not allowed to have like a stove or whatever, so you can't really cook that much. So what I did is I would take a Quest bar, wrap it in one of those mini um, high fiber tortillas, like the La Tortilla Factory tortillas, I would wrap it and then I would put it in my toaster. So it would toast the tortilla and make it like crispy on the outside and like hot on the inside and it would melt my Quest bar. And that was the Quest Toasty and that became like famous. Do you know how much fiber that is? That's like 40 grams of fiber in one sitting. Yeah, I do know. (laughs) I, my... My insides don't love that. I'm sorry. I could that needs to be another podcast. Like us talking about prep chronicles. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back though because I will go on a rabbit hole that way. But my question was, how do you de-stress now? Okay. Aside from going on vacations, like once yeah. a week, do you have things you do? I know you ride horses and that kind of thing. So maybe that happens to be your de-stressor. But for somebody like me who doesn't have a horse mm-hmm. and I'm in Cleveland, Ohio and it is snowy. Yeah. What is your best advice? Okay, yeah. So um, taking time off was really hard for me at first. Like I said, I was forced to do it originally, but then I was like, oh, shit, I need to do this, you know, consistently because stress management now has become a non-negotiable. And so I started having, like, sacred days of my week where I literally was not allowed to work. Um, An important part of that was setting really clear boundaries and expectations with my clients of like, hey, I answer messages within one business day, Monday through Fridays, um, so that, you know, client, I didn't feel pressured to reply to my clients on weekends or at 7pm or 9pm or right when I woke up or whatever, I could, I could set expectations, which gave me the freedom and took that pressure off of me, even though it was expectations between my clients. Um, And then also it was honestly being disciplined with myself because I love my work and I love working um, and it makes me feel good about myself. So I had to be really disciplined about like not literally not being allowed to like open my computer on Sundays or um, at one point I literally would like delete Instagram off of my phone during the weekend or things like that. Um, just to train myself to disconnect. Um, and two things that have really helped me be able to do that is number one, doing brain dumps um, of just my, I think I always have a tab open in my brain dedicated to work. Like I always have 5 million tabs open on my computer and that's exactly how my brain looks too, I think. Um, so I always have one in the background thinking about work, even if it's not conscious and things will pop into my head of like, oh, I should make this content or, oh, this is a new idea or, oh, I need to get this back to this client or whatever. And it'll just pop into my head. And I had conditioned myself to immediately act on all of these ideas um, a while ago. So what I started doing is just having a, a notes dump in my phone of when something pops into my brain, it immediately goes on my phone 
and I set aside time to worry about it later. Um, and that way it's not cluttering my brain. It's not something that I feel like I have to remember and I can go back to relaxation mode ASAP, feeling confident that I can take care of it in the future. The second thing that really helped me is figuring out, okay, I have a million balls in the air. Which ones are glass and which ones are rubber? Because you don't need to keep every ball in the air all the time. They're not all equally important. They're not all life or death. Some of them, yes, like taking care of your clients and making sure that your team is good and, um, you know, keeping up with your bills and stuff like those are glass balls. But there are some some balls that like, okay, if I drop this and pick it back up next week, there's really not going to be a big consequence. And so I'm going to be okay with that ball being dropped. And so I had to let go of that perfectionist tendency of everything needs to be done. It needs to be done perfectly and it needs to be done right now. And I honestly lowered my standards in some places, not all places, but when things were rubber balls, they became low priority and it didn't, I didn't care so much if it was done perfectly or done right now. Um, and so those two kind of mindset shifts or like practices really helped me be able to rest and do it consistently. And even with dropping my standards for like juggling rubber balls, my business has actually grown more and more and more because that's helped me prioritize. So I think that's important for sure, that analogy, because I'm with you. I will think of so many things and unless I'm going on a trip or taking an extended time off, something is, something is not normal. I'm pretty much always off on Sundays. That's my day to kind of just like decompress. I don't work. Um, but you know, I, I think that as a business owner, we set these deadlines for ourselves and like no one has set them for us. Like no yeah. one is going to know if we push our deadline back a week, exactly. you know what I mean? But exactly. it's like, no, I set this deadline. It has to be done. And I was like that with, um, I know when we launched uh, build and rebuild a second time together, um, we were looking at dates and I was like, well, I set this date. It has to happen. And you're like, yeah, but the election is that week. We should probably like move it up a week. And I was like, Okay, maybe so. And then you're like, but also Taylor, we can move it back a week. Like it doesn't really matter, you know? Um, but I just think that we we set these pressures on ourselves and it really um, can set us up for just like kind of combusting, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm with you. I think that was a great analogy. Um, the last thing that I have on my list, and I think that it's probably the um, lesson, I will say, but also just my the best thing I ever did in 2020, not just lesson was literally hiring you and investing in a business Aww. coach. Um, and I mean, I've hired you again, so, you know, just invoice me for next year too, if you want, um, <laughs> you in for till 2022. Yeah, easily. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that, but you know, I just, uh, I say this as a business coach, but you know, I've, I've always been somebody who has, invested in hiring somebody to help me out, right? I've always invested in a fitness coach. I've always invested in mentoring, in uh, conferences, workshops, whatever it happens to be. Um, and so, you know, when the time came and you and I had our call, I just felt like it was the right time. And I mean, it's been so incredible having somebody who is literally always so many steps ahead of me and to have somebody in your business that is not emotionally invested. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I mean, I, you get to know my business obviously, and, and obviously you care, but 
you know, when I had to raise prices, I remember thinking like, no, I can't do this to these people. And you're like, Taylor, but you can't work. You, you can't create an eighth day of the week, you know? Yeah. Um, so I will say that to me was the biggest um, win for me of 2020. And I'm sure, you know, you have a coach yourself, so I'm sure you can yeah. kind of relate to that. Yeah, having that objective eye is so crucial because number one, business is so mental and emotional, right? There's there's so much mindset work involved. It's not just laying out a plan and executing a plan. Like if we were robots, yes, but there are so many other factors at play, whether it's our own mindset, whether it's our own limiting beliefs, our own emotional attachment to things, our own ego. There are so many things that can get in the way or can warp our perspective of what's actually true. And having a coach or a mentor be that objective eye who can zoom out and have that like bigger view of what's going on is seriously invaluable. Um, and also someone who has gone significantly bigger than you um, makes your success happen so much faster. Like I remember when I first started working with my own coach, she had me uh, set my goal for the year. And then, um, you know, we did a sales plan. We like did the thing. And then she said, okay, Marie, now figure out how to make everything 20% bigger. And the sales plan I had already written was like, it felt like a stretch. Like it felt like I, how will I even do this? And she was like, no, no, 20, I want 20% more. And so I had to go back and figure out where do I find 20? I think at the time my, my yearly goal was like 250 K. And I was like, where am I going to find another $50,000 in here? Like that sounds impossible. And I did it and I sent it to her and she said, yeah, well done. Like, okay, this is, this is the new plan. And that was a new plan. And guess what? We hit it. And then um, just having someone who's like been so much farther than you, those big scary goals are not as big and scary because they have been there. They can lead you through it. And also their confidence in what's possible rubs off on you, right? Like when you, when we were setting your goals for 2021, I was like, no, bigger, no, bigger, no, bigger. Um, because I knew that if we followed this plan or if we launched this thing, or if we nailed your messaging, like three notches above what you had thought you could do was possible. Um, and so I think it's just having that person in your corner, pushing you, holding you accountable, and also someone who has walked the walk. And that's something I think is so important in the business coaching world is having someone who's walked the walk. And that's why I can rant all day about people becoming business coaches without ever having an other successful business is like, what, where's the walk? <laughs> yes. Um, and you've had a business coach. This is your second year. Um, this is my third year. Third year. Yeah. Okay. So you get it. And, and I think we've talked about this too. Like I just can't ever imagine not having a business coach. And yeah. I think that you've even said that too. Like, I just, I'm, I'm good. I get it. Um, there was a because point where I was like, I'm going to do this on my own for a while, like maybe like six months or so. And then I started thinking about like all of the hires I wanted to make and all of the growth that like I wanted, I've doubled my revenue every year for the last four years. And I'm like, I'm going to double it again for a fifth year. And like doing that by myself, I was like, um, help. <laughs> like that sounds, <laughs> that sounds scary. So, um, 
it's so invaluable. And even though I think currently my coach is like my highest paid, like single team member, um, if you could call it that, and it's worth every penny. Well, yeah, I mean, investing in a business coach, it's, it's not the same as like hiring a fitness coach, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely an investment. Um, but it is one that you make, I mean, the ROI is just, I can't even, I can't even put a price tag on it because you just, you learn so much. Um, so to people that might be listening, new coaches, maybe they're not even at that 5k month yet. And they're like, man, I know I could benefit from a business coach, but I am a little worried about the finances. What would you say to them? What is your selling point? Um, yeah, I mean, I hear this a lot and I, I never want hiring me to be the thing that like make someone not be able to like keep their lights on. And I also never want to be someone's like hail Mary of like, okay, if this doesn't work, I'm, I'm living in a box. Like that, that's never, that's never, um, the, the conversation, but if someone, you know, they can make it work and they're simply scared or it's going to be uncomfortable, you know, um, the conversation is usually something like, what is it going to cost you not to invest in yourself? What is it going to cost you to not have help with this. Um, and oftentimes that's going to look like an extended period of trial and error of trying to piece together random free information on the internet that was never supposed to go together. Um, that looks like so much frustration, so much discouragement, hearing no way more times than they have to. And of course, like failure and hearing no and whatever is always going to be part of the process. But so many people get burned out or quit before they even have a chance to succeed because they don't have a, a proven plan. And I say proven plan because having a plan is not enough. Like if, if, if it's the blind leading the blind, you don't know what you're doing and you're, you're trying to make a plan, like that doesn't count. But if you can have a proven plan and someone holding you accountable and giving you feedback and someone who's in your corner, who has walked the walk, that saves you so much time, so much energy, so much frustration. And without that, you're putting off your goals. You're wasting so much time and energy and it's costing you. Um, it's costing you that impact. It's costing you that revenue. It's costing you that energy. It's costing you that frustration. Um, and for me, that's just like simply not an option. Like I'm not putting my goals off. I'm not wasting energy. I'm not risking my relationships with my loved ones because I'm turned into like a raging bitch over my business failing or whatever, you know, like I, I want to be successful. And I know that the fastest way to get there is with help. I think people are just very afraid to ask for help. I mean, I see that with fitness coaching too, right? People have, I mean, how many diets have we tried probably there's years no and years ago for like figuring it out on your own. Like there's no, no there's no medal for that. <laughs> and that's, and you've posted about that. I posted about that too, is like figuring out the pros and cons of like, okay, look, maybe you can do it on your own, but like, it's going to take you so much longer. And even if you can do it on your own, like you said, there is no award and why waste time when you can have a proven method from somebody who has been where you want to go. I think right. that is a great sign of hiring a business coach, like figuring out, you know, number one, do some shopping, have calls, figure out who, who is a right fit for you. Because I know that you'll say this and I do too, is like, not everyone is my ideal client. Yeah. 
You know, there's people that are going to vibe with me and people that may not vibe with me and you're the same way. Um, but I, I think that you have to be coachable when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be open and vulnerable to learning as you go, because it is a, it is a fun road, but it is a hard one. And we've talked about this too, you know, like it's not meant for everybody. Right. And if you're serious about it, I think the investment decision becomes a no brainer. The other thing is like, if you want to become an online coach, but you won't hire your own coach, that is, you're a hypocrite. If you're going to preach how important it is to have a coach to reach your goals and how a coach is going to hold you accountable and be so valuable for you, but you won't hire your own coach to reach your own goals, that's bullshit. You know what? No one has ever said that out loud. And I really love that because I... I was once told that I was not a good coach because I had a coach. No, that's just so dumb. <laughs> if you're if you are a coach, you're a coach because you believe in the power of coaching. And right. there's, there's always going to be someone ahead of you. There's always going to be someone who knows more than you. There's always going to be someone who is one step farther. So you you should work with them. <laughs> right. I agree. Um, So, you know, we've covered a lot of lessons. I know we went on some tangents, but I think that we, I think that we have a pretty good hodgepodge here. This is like a pretty good, like 2021 intro. Um, So, you know, the only thing I want to know is I would just love to know your biggest lesson of 2020. Mm, I mean, it was the year of plot twists for sure. And so I would say my biggest takeaway has been be dedicated to your goals, but flexible about how you get there, right? I had huge goals for this year and I hit all of them, but the way, the ways that I got there ended up looking so different than what I originally planned. You know, like January of 2020, I rolled in with my sales plan in hand. My, I was buying a house. I was buying a horse. There was all this stuff happening. And like every single one of my big goals, the, the way that we got there was so different. I mean, February, March hit, ripped up my sales plan, wrote a new one. Like everything was different. I was in the middle of a launch when the pandemic hit. Then I was in the middle of a launch when um, Black Lives Matter hit. And then I was in the middle of a launch when the election happened or I was about to launch the election happened. Like, and, and that was just stuff that, well, I mean, Black Lives Matter, I was more than happy to like hit pause and create space for that. But like, as far as the first and second wave of the pandemic and the election, Sometimes I was just like, oh, my God, you have got to be kidding me. Like, give me a break. (laughs) Like, I just want things to be go according to plan for once. And they didn't need to. Like, it turned out they didn't need to go according to plan. Um, I kept showing up. I kept being flexible. I kept being creative with my problem solving. Um, And we, we made it happen. Like, we blew by all of the goals for the year. So I think it's just that. Like, be so dedicated to your goal be decisive on your standards and your expectations for for what you want. Um, but also don't be so married to what the path is going to look like because there are so many different ways to be successful or uh, like navigate your way to success. And um, yeah, yeah, life is more fun when you can be a little flexible at least. Um, 
I mean, I think that's when I hired you was like a few months after the pandemic. I think it was like May or so. And I was getting so frustrated with everything not going according to my plan as well. Um, and my business wasn't suffering, but I just felt like I was like at a standstill where I would have like a wave of like new clients, but then like two weeks later I'd have five people that dropped and then it would like go up and then down. I was like, Oh my God, I just can't get out of this like standstill. And so I love that. And I think that's just a great lesson. I I've been, I've been saying that to a lot of people in general, but just like this whole year has taught us that you have to have multiple backup plans. You just do. Um, and being flexible is, is kind of the key there. Um, but I don't have anything else for you. Is there any last bit of wisdom you want to leave us with? Or I don't know. Mm. I know I'm putting you on the spot for that one. Yeah. What the heck? That was my last bit of wisdom. I know. What are you making for dinner? Um, it's new year's Eve. So we're going over to my parents' house and my mom is the best cook and she's making prime rib. Oh, yeah. and you'll be in bed by 10? Probably, uh, probably 11. Probably 11. Who knows? I'm, I'm not going to even drop. stay up till midnight. We'll see. Oh, my gosh. I know. Party well, that's time. that's changed since we had our call earlier today. <laughs> you were hard <laughs> set on 10. Well, I'm central time, so I'll definitely see the ball drop. I think that's doable. But uh, I, I'm providing champagne, so I'll probably be tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you. Um I don't know. I just can't say it enough. Like, I really do appreciate you. Um, appreciate you. All right, girl. I will talk to you later. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys. You're welcome. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for a community of badass go-getters to bounce ideas and answer questions, join my exclusive goal-getter community on Facebook. The link's waiting for you on Instagram. Until next time, bye, y'all.